So on this month's episode of 312, the HRP podcast, we're going to be talking about HRP's Women's Employee Resource Group. These are community building groups based around employee identity or experience. One of the greatest things about an employee resource group is that it's employee led and it really helps the company stay accountable. That's Alicia Washington, HRP's Director of Marketing and JEDI, Justice, Equity, Diversity and Inclusion. See, I'm so glad you said that because now I don't have to say what JEDI stands for. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be returning to that conversation a little later on. First, I want to turn to a few quick interviews we did, one with Jackie Baxley, the EHSNS practice leader at HRP, and one with Tori Kessinger, project consultant in the Charleston, South Carolina office here at HRP. They're going to be talking about the value of the work. Last in the Play Hard segment, we're joined by Yvonne Olston, the Chief Culture Architect, CEO, and founder of Indelible Impressions, who had an instrumental role in HRP's JEDI and DEI programs. We're also going to be joined there by Jane Smith and Allison Mendez as we play the card game Actually Curious. All right, we'll see you there. Here's Jackie. Um, so can you introduce yourself, give us your name and what you do here at HRP? Jackie Baxley. I am the Environmental Health and Safety and Sustainability Practice Leader. So Jackie, my first question for you is why did you join the Women's Employee Resource Group? Great. Yeah, so um, uh, I've been in um, this field for over 25 years. and And so when I started my career... I was the the only female manager um, in in my very first job at, at my facility, mm-hmm. and have always been in that minority population relative to to a woman in a very male dominated field. So since I've been in this field for over twenty five years, I was hoping I could serve as a bit of a mentor, um, you know, for the the women within HRP of coping strategies, you know, how to deal with uncomfortable situations, best practices, or just, you know, an ear to listen. Yeah, you've had a pretty broad range of experience both in the past and and to this day in terms of like the environments that you've had to be involved in and worked in. Um, So those, those have been like a lot of different challenges that you had to overcome in that. Well, you know, I worked for 10 years in industry and, um, by no means don't want to give, you know, any particular company or any particular industry a bad rap, but we've learned a lot over the last mm. 25 years about mm. what's appropriate dialogue, what's appropriate in working with others. And um, so I've, I've, I've experienced some things in, you know, in working in industry um, as well as working at a whole wide variety of job sites. So again, I just wanted to be a mentor for anybody um, mm. that, you know, just finds themselves in situations and needs somebody to talk to. And and, yeah. and sometimes, sometimes people just need somebody to talk to. They're not expecting any action or reconciliation. They just need to voice and vent. And, mm-hmm. you know, so... You know, one of the reasons why I joined the ERG is just because, or excuse me, the WERG is because, you know, 
you know, I, I feel like I've been there in a lot of situations. So if somebody needed coping strategies or best practices or what would you do in this situation or just an ear to 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 listen, um, I was hoping that I, I, I could I could be that for, for folks. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. My second question for you is what benefits does the work offer HRP? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, it's a great group of ladies in mm. in the work. Um, so one of the benefits it offers to the individuals within the work is just a collection of a phenomenal group of, of women. Um, and, and, you know, so definitely the individuals within the work, I think, get a lot out of it just because of the camaraderie, you know, of, of, of the women. But what it offers HRP as a whole I think any organization that offers a safe space and community is a benefit for the entire, you know, the entire organization. And, and so I think one of the benefits is just for employees to, to recognize that HRP is an employer that is going to provide you those safe spaces. It's going to provide you the peers that you need to succeed, whether it's a, you know, an employee resource group designated uh, around a specific community like our women employee resource group is, or whether it's other things such as, you know, a health and wellness committee, if that's where you want to find your peers and your, your influence within the organization or in the fun committee, or, you know, in the various, you know, uh, social aspects that we have. I think any company that focuses time and effort in community is is a win-win for the company as well as the employees. Uh, my third question for you, why is it important for HRP to have a work? Again, just community, you know, safe space, um, a, a place where, um, where folks can gather and and share their joys and their sorrows. Um, actually, the the work uh, meetings always start with peaches and pits um, around our dinner table. We call them roses and thorns, but it's where people have the opportunity to talk about some good things that have happened, whether professionally or personally, and some things that they're struggling with, you know, whether professionally or or personally. And 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 so again, it's just a safe space with community of of people, the only reason that they are in there is to lift each other up. And, and so it's just, I think, you know, any organization can, can benefit from having, you know, such uh, groups within their, their structure. And finally, what are you looking forward to from the work? Well, like I said, it's a great group of ladies. So I just enjoy, you know, meeting with them. And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes I can't make all the meetings. And, and so um, I am more of a sometimer as opposed to an all the timer in the attendance of the meetings, um, just based off of schedules. But, um, but because of that, I really look forward to just meeting with the ladies when I'm able to. Um, again, it's just a fantastic group of women. And, um, and, and one thing that I know that the group has talked about is is way to expand outside of HRP and, you know, maybe offer some of our uh, communications and panels and discussions to some of our subcontractors or even some of our clients. Um, and, and so I'm looking forward to how we can grow what we've been focusing on internally, you know, you know outside of HRP as well.
Tori, my first question for you is why did you join the Women's Employee Resource Group? Yeah, so we like to call it the WORG sometimes. Mm-hmm. We always like to say, what's the good WORG? Um, and That's the I name of the podcast. Now it's going to be the name of this episode. <laughs> okay, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're actually getting some off topic real quick. We're getting some swag that has that on the shirt. So we're very excited for that. Love but it. back to the question. Mm-hmm. Um, I joined the WORG because I had a colleague within the Charleston office who recommended it to me. So actually within my first week of joining HRP, that was about a year and a half ago, I went to my first WORG meeting. Um, But I was also just excited about the idea of being able to connect with other females that are within the company. Mm -hmm. Have you you heard of a, a, a women's employee resource group before this at all? Um, I haven't. I heard of like societies like outside of work that focused on women, but I haven't seen another company that internally has a women's organization. Mm. Um, So now that you've joined and you've been a member of it for a little bit, what benefits would you say the work offers HRP? Yeah, for from the employee aspect, it's a great support system. Um, sometimes it's hard to feel like we're not just all separate little offices. We have a lot of locations, but mm-hmm. I feel like the work is just a great way to make those offices feel like it's just one office. It really helps to connect you with people that you might not have spoken to um, beforehand. And with our smaller offices like Charleston, it really helps me to feel like I'm a part of HRP. Um, it's a great support system personally. If you had a bad day and you just want someone to talk about it, they'll listen. It's also a great support system professionally. Um, I'm new to my career. I graduated about two years ago. Um, so there's things that I might not know how to handle in the field. And there's some great women that are there to just listen and give advice. And it really helps you to feel more connected within the company. That's great to hear, especially because I, I always wanted to go to the the South Carolina off the well the Charleston office, but I haven't gotten a chance to go down there yet. And I could definitely makes sense that it might feel a little bit isolating or intimidating to be in one of the one of our smaller locations. But it's so great to hear that um, this offers that opportunity to connect with other people. Yeah, it makes it feel like it's a bigger office honestly Mm. makes hrp feel like it's one big office it doesn't feel as like we're all individual locations Mm -hmm. makes us feel a lot more connected uh so for you why do you think it's important for hrp to have that kind of support system and connection um i think it's important because um it really just helps to solve problems that we may have that you might not want to speak out about as a newer employee, if I have something going on, I'm not necessarily wanting to like call my regional manager or mm. something like that. So it helps to solve problems that other women might be going through. And I also think um, it's important to generate awareness within the offices. Um, there's issues that women may experience that other people may not have known before. So it generates that awareness to have those difficult conversations. Mm. And I think ultimately it really helps to promote the core values of HRP. Um, We have uh, values champions that work on different aspects like culture, community. And I think it really just helps to make sure that 
we are promoting those values and cultures that HRP values Mm -hmm. and live out that mission statement. So like outside of the work, how much interaction would you say you'd have with your uh, female colleagues at HRP? I think for me, it's a unique situation Mm -hmm. with being in the Charleston office. It is just me. Mm -hmm. So if I didn't have the work, I don't think I would have much female interaction. If I didn't join, I don't know. My day-to-day interactions are mostly with clients. Yeah. So I don't think (laughs) I would have that if I wasn't in the work as much. Mm. Uh, And my final question, Tori, is what are you looking forward to from the work? I'm excited for the panel. So last year we did a panel and it was an opportunity for everyone to come, not just females. Um, Everyone was welcome to the panel last year in March. And I'm just really excited to do that panel again because for me it was really um, valuable to listen to that panel and I think it was also valuable for um, other people as well. So I'm just excited. We have some good ideas in the making for it. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for that. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm just excited for more women to join. So, yeah. And I also am thankful that HRP has this. So uh, we're here today to talk about employee resource groups. That's what we're chatting about today. Now, from a company perspective, an HRP perspective, I should say, we've always been, you know, we have always strived to have this flexible environment. It's our culture is like we have so much pride in that. And it started that way 41 years ago. um, And it's continuing. When I came to Dan a few years ago, with the whole inception of the Jedi program. Amazing. It's been that long. I know it's been, yeah. Um, And it was before 2020. I like to always point that out. Mm -hmm. It was before 2020. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it was like a no brainer, honestly, uh, that we would, you know, do something like this. I think that one of the things I'm most proud of about HRP is that we are an aware company. And when I'm talking about like the leadership of the company, like we're aware Um, and awareness with awareness comes action. And I think that that conversation I had with Dan about, you know, this is why we need to do this. Um, he was like, well, yeah, let's, let's get it done. So, you know, part of a Jedi program has a lot, there's a lot of training. There's a lot of employee engagement. There's a lot of stuff that comes with that, but the employee resource groups really help drive a lot of the change. Yeah, it's true. Um, we're very fortunate to have Alicia leading this because she's uh, very passionate about this space and she's just an excellent leader and provides great guidance and tutelage to the rest of us on it. So we're extremely fortunate in that regard. So thank you for what you do. Thanks, thank Dan. you, Alicia. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it is a, it's a natural fit for a company like this. We, you know, we use the term employee first, um, a lot, um, that's a hard expectation to live up to on a daily basis. You know, we're, um, we're, you know, we're in a, in a system, a capitalist system. It is what it is. 
Um, you know, at the end of the day, the, the organization needs to make money in order to, um, you know, be able to survive and effectuate its mission, which isn't really at the end of the day, um, you know, cleaning up the environment or what have you. I mean, that's what we do. But at the end of the day, the purpose of the organization is to provide, you know, income, resources, health benefits, 401ks, and, you know, all that sort of stuff for its employees. And since we're a service company, professional services company, really it's this symbiosis between the larger corporate idea and its employees because the employees are the product. The employers are the core of the company. And so therefore the, the employees also carry all of the burdens of, of the, of the corporation's responsibility to itself. So it's this, it's this sort of circle that eats itself, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't mean that in a negative way, Mm -hmm. but um, so it just makes sense for a service-based company to be an employee centric company. And I don't, I don't, I don't think that a lot of service-based companies ever really get there. They treat employees like products. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're disposable. You know, they become damaged on the shelf. You know, the milk container gets broken, so you just take the milk off the shelf and you throw it in the garbage and you get another one. Um, I think that, you know, there are a lot of service-based companies out there that treat their employees like they're, they're not the product, but a product. Right. <laughs> Subtle right. differential. A number, but, just mm-hmm. a number. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, I, I just don't think that that is consistent with what a service company's overall mission should be. Right. So what I mean by that is that if we expect our product, and I don't mean to be callous about that, but if we expect our product to perform at a high level and deliver a really quality service uh, to our customers, which is how we make our revenue and provide for those 401ks and all that other stuff, right? then our employees have to be well positioned to deliver on that expectation. And being able to deliver on that expectation in no small part has a lot to do with how the company treats the employees or the product. If it's a well-treated product or a well-curated product, well, it's likely to do better in the marketplace. So for that reason alone, outside of all of the other, you know, social social benefits and in the conversation you know sort of at large out there and in the world right now even outside of all of those good reasons just from a totally internal facing intrinsic core principle it makes a ton of sense for a service company to be an employee centric company which brings us to things like a jedi program right it's just logical right and studies have shown that um Let's see. Studies have shown that companies with well-managed ERGs, and that's, you know, defined there, bolded, underlined, well-managed ERGs, have higher employee engagement, loyalty, satisfaction, and also it's linked to um, enhanced productivity and performance. So a lot of studies show that. So to your point, Dan, you know, we invest in our employees. Um, everyone matters here. Um, and a JEDI program, you know, supports that. So um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about today was misconceptions on employee resource groups, because there's three main misconceptions that I want to kind of go over Um, because I even hear it internally, you know, sometimes. So one of the first ones is the special privilege. Um, So we have one 
a strong employee resource group right now. It's the Women's Employee Resource Group, which we call WERG. Um, They're doing amazing things. And uh, we started um, almost two years ago now. And, um, you know, one of the things that I noticed when we started that program, that that group, was some women did not want to join it. You know, they felt that, you know, I don't want to be treated differently because I'm a woman. Um, I think some people think that, well, if you're part of an employee resource group, that identity is going to get special privileges. You're going to get, you know, things that other people don't get. And mm-hmm. that's just, it's a myth because, you know, the fact is, is that, um, you know, there are, you know, mar- marginalized groups of people are more vulnerable to, you know, being excluded. Um, that is true. Um, but that misconception of, you know, that we get special privileges, it's just to ensure that everyone is getting the same opportunity. And so employee resource groups really help with, you know, making sure, again, holding the company accountable. That's one of the big things, you know, that employee resource groups do is that we discuss, you know, what are the things we could do better and then making sure that the company does that. So that's one of those um, misconceptions. Another one is it creates more exclusion. So this one's really funny because a lot of people say, well, if we're supposed to be inclusive, then why are you why do we have this group that's excluding everyone Mm -hmm. else? So it's a very common one. And um, what's really, you know, again, what's it's a myth because anyone can join an employee resource group. You don't have to identify with the majority of that group in order to join. Anyone can join. Mm -hmm. You know, actually, I think that it's a great opportunity for allyship, for people who believe themselves to be strong allies to actually join these groups to, you know, listen, Mm -hmm. you know, be part of, um, you know, bringing ideas to the table um, that can help, you know, this specific group of people, um, you know, be successful and, and again, holding the, the, um, company accountable to that. Mm, So you, anyone can join. And so at here at HRP, uh, employee resource group, you're a member, there's member events and there's non-member events, meetings, same kind of thing. We host events that are for the entire company, you know, bringing people in. So we just make sure that we are, you know, inclusive of all the things that we do. And I think that the more people know that you can join a um, employee resource group and not be part of, you know, that majority identity, it's you can do that. So we're looking to hopefully get more members for the work. Mm-hmm. If anybody mentions that they have to join now, they have to volunteer to be part of it. Yes, please. <laughs> yes. yes. We are recruiting <laughs> members now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, one of the other misconceptions is that it's just like a social club. So there is no benefit that it actually brings to the company. Mm-hmm. And again, just such a myth because to the point that Dan made earlier, you know, when a when employee feels like they matter in a company, yep. they are going to perform better. Yeah. So performance, production, everything is going to be better. And there are companies, you know, big companies like Ford, Chevron, for instance, where they have utilized their employee resource groups to help, you know, develop. Like I think it was um, – Campbell Soup, their women's erg helped them develop new products, new product lines, you know, mm. and kind of, you know, created a whole new revenue stream with using, you know, the information they got from their women's group. Um, I think Chevron created a whole new marketing campaign through their Hispanic, their Latino, you know, employee resource group. Mm. So it's your bottom, your bottom lines are going to multiply, you know, like all of the things 
that employee resource groups can bring to a company are going to help it grow. And I think we just need to be looking at them more as, you know, a way that the company is going to thrive, you know, versus it's going to be more exclusion and separate the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's a bit of a balancing act because I was having a bite of lunch with a certain somebody today and we were talking about um, expenses and, and things that are, and I'm saying this air quotes, that are distractions from um, our core mission of generating billable hours. And, you know, these sorts of things, ergs, um, fall into that conversation mm-hmm. a lot. Um, it's difficult for, I'm being cryptic, accountants to <laughs> draw mm-hmm. a line between employee productivity as a function of satisfaction, which is created by these, in part, by these programs, to draw a straight line through, you know, with a dollar sign next to it, to the to the attendant benefit that you just uh, described, Alicia. Um, and so it's this constant sort of wrestling match to try to, um, impart the value of a cultural approach, a Jedi approach, or the value of an erg in dollars and cents from an accounting perspective. And I think that that's kind of, at some level, maybe at a lot of levels, is kind of the thing that leadership needs to do all of the time. Like you need to find ways to draw those, that, those, those lines to create that connective tissue, to try to figure out ways from a metric perspective to sort of measure satisfaction I'm not even sure that we're particularly good at that. That's probably a place that we could use a lot of improvement. But at the end of the day, it also requires certain times that the leadership just say, no, we're doing this because intrinsically we all know that it has value, even if we can't draw it through a Deltec accounting system platform Mm -hmm. um, because it's important, Mm -hmm. um, which kind of gets to sort of the core idea of what leadership really is. But yeah. Yeah. Like what part of our Jedi mission statement says, you know, celebrating diversity and acknowledging disparity. Like those terms are in our uh, Jedi um, mission statement. And that's what we're doing. You know, that's the the awareness thing is is awareness is number one. And then there's acknowledgement. But then there's the action. And I feel like that's what we're doing with the employee resource groups. Um, where making sure that anything that we can improve on, anything that we can enhance in the company that's going to support all employees, we're going to we're going to do that. But employee resources kind of help us, you know, see what that is. Mm-hmm. They help so, us help ourselves. Yes, they help us help ourselves. <laughs> that awareness is, you know, kind of like, OK, we know that something's not right. We know that we can be better. And they kind of help us identify, okay, where can we be better and keep us accountable to that, like making sure that we're sticking to what we say. I mean, there's no way that you're a company that's 50 years old, even especially 100 year old companies that don't have discriminatory policies in your handbook. Of course you do, because if it was written 75 years ago, there was a lot of stuff that was happening 75 years ago that was not good. Um, you know, very discriminatory. So it's those kinds of things that, you know, employee resource resource groups help with inclusivity. They help bring people together um, because one group can actually identify a policy that has maybe nothing to do with their majority identity, but it has to do with someone else's. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a company where they're um, they have employee resource groups for LBGTQ communities, right, where they identify benefit packages that help 
with, you know, people who, you know, are from that community, you know, spouses and things like that. There are certain insurance or other benefit packages that are very exclusionary to people who are married to the same, you know, sex. So it's identifying those things, you know, employee resource groups help with that. They take the time, you know, to look at that and help the company make a change or at least, you know, identify an opportunity for change. So for the women's, uh, I just really want to shout out the work right now because <laughs> I do want to have my list here of things that they have done. But just to summarize, um, you know, I say this as the work will and also future, you know, HRP ERGs will expand professional development through trainings, information sharing, workshops and mentoring. And they are forming important community partnerships that will bring in new hires enhance HRP's reputation, and again, multiply our bottom line. So the women's group has been so successful in events in the company, events outside the company, bringing in community partners, um, you know, giving each other, um, getting to know each other, you know, this this cross office, um, you know, we're always trying to, you know, bring people together, even though we have, there's branch offices everywhere. And like people are getting to know each other on an even personal level. And then when they get to work on projects together, they already know each other from the group. So that's been that's been huge as well. And um, we're just going to continue the work um, moving forward. And I'm really looking forward to the the future ERGs that we're going to start and uh, establish. And um, I just see all bright stars ahead. I'm real excited about it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'd love to get thoughts from each of you on a, a scenario that I think uh, tends to happen from time to time at HRP where um, folks here, they feel like they're, you know, all day and night they're here, mm-hmm. that they're still struggling to hit their billability goals. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're thinking, God, I'd really love to get involved in one of the ERGs, maybe the women's ERG, but it's like, how can I find the time for when I'm still putting in these hours and still having issues, you know, getting the billability I need to like, you know, maximize my potential here? Like, what would you say to, to someone or the people in those positions to encourage them? Um. Thank you for asking the classic conundrum problem question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it is, it, it is at, at the end of the day, it's, it, it's, that's always the issue. Um, you know, there's only so many hours, hours in the day. Um, and, you know, fundamentally, you know, consulting is a, you know, it's just like being a lawyer. It's, 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 a, it's about delivering hours to a project. Um, and sort of inescapable reality of the kind of business that, that we're in. Um, and if you couple with the fact, um, you know, that striking work-life balance when you're working in a, in a high hours, high, high volume hour space, like consulting Mm -hmm. is also a challenge, you know, committing to more work centric stuff, even if it's an, you know, an erg that you're really interested in when you could be at home spending time with your, your kids or your dog or riding your bike or whatever it is that you like to do, um, compresses the 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 available time even more than the question that you just asked. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I don't want to cop out on this, but I don't know that there's really a, a great answer. I think that that the answer is that, you know, people just kind of have to try to figure out a way to move in the space and just recognize that it's a pendulum. And sometimes 
the pendulum is going to pull you towards the hour side. And then sometimes it's okay for the pendulum to pull you more towards the, the personal interest side or the, you know, the things that you want to join from a company perspective. And maybe you just have to make choices about that back and forth, which doesn't, you know, it's not, again, it's not a, a great answer, but I don't know that there is another answer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that what's big is that the company supports and encourages people to participate. Yeah, absolutely. You're and t- that's absolutely. And, and when we're talking about people who may be struggling, it's really, you know, you have to come to come to me, come to Dan. I'm the Jedi director. So you can come to me about anything people do. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about, well, what is my opportunity? Right. I'm working 60, 70 hours a week, but I want to participate. Just me knowing that you want to participate, we can work on ways that you can. Right. You know, I think every people can kind of see throughout the 12 months in a year, okay, what part of the year am I a little bit light? Is it during the holidays? Is it during the summer? Um, is it the first quarter where if that's the case, then there's things that you can do those times of the year. You can still participate. I think. And this is why, you know, diversity is such a big deal is because the more you you talk to people and you let them know things that are on your mind, you get more options, you know, more ideas. Yeah, I think that's you just made a really great point. And um, I think that it's worth sort of pulling on that thread. So when you talked about, you know, even just considering like what times of year are you busy or are you not busy, you know, I used the word pendulum before, but there maybe more properly, there's an ebb and a flow to all of the things that we do around here. And when there are crazy busy moments and there are, what am I going to do next moments? And that's, that's just the cycle that we live through. I think what happens is that, and maybe this is more true in a technical business with people who are very analytical and regimented as opposed to a non-technical business. I don't know, but um, people want to get very structured and linear. So we're going to have an ERG meeting the second Tuesday of every month. That's when we're having the meeting, right? And then it becomes, you know, cooked into a schedule and it's a regimented thing. Maybe that doesn't make any sense. You know, maybe maybe we should have all of our ERG meetings every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night in the month of June. Right. Because maybe that makes, I'm not saying that makes sense, but maybe that, that makes more sense. So I think, you know, and this is sort of the core a core issue in the in the concept of consulting in general, where it's an hours-driven business, professional services, and I think probably a weakness for um, most technical people. It the answer is always being flexible in the space and and rising to the occasion to the thing that needs to be dealt with in the moment, mm-hmm. right? And that because we do absolutely encourage employee participation in all these spaces, like it's. Encourage maybe is a little light. Like we would really like people to participate, not just encourage them. So the organization is actually effectively actually kind of driving people to participate. And it's elective. You know, you can do it if you want to or if you don't want to. But we would really like you to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So it's not it's a little it's a heavy ask. Right. So it's just one more time requirement. But I, I think, you know, the people who can really um, be successful in this writ large this space are the people that can kind of move through these things. And, you know, when the moment arrives that it makes sense to be really up to your elbows in an, in an erg issue, well, you're there. 
And then maybe the next time, you know, you've got a report that's got to get out the door. And so that's where you are. And you just kind of move randomly sort of back and forth in that space. That's a hard thing to do. Yeah. But Adapting <laughs> that's, kind to of what, it. that's kind of what it is. Yeah. yeah. Adapting to the moment, you know, yeah. I think we do that a lot just as just as HRP anyway. Yeah. But I think knowing that it's okay, knowing that, okay, I'm, I'm struggling here. I need, I want to participate in the, in the work, but I haven't been to a meeting in six months, you know, but I, and, and I don't know how the next six months are going to be, but what can I do? It's just asking the question and having the conversation with, you know, the leaders of the ERG or myself to figure out, okay, well, how, you know, let's figure out how you can participate instead of thinking that we're mad at you yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you well, know, like we think you're a horrible member or whatever, you know, I think that, you know, we are understanding and that's again, part of the whole Jedi program is giving people grace. Like the whole, this is a program. This is a, this is a journey. This it's never going to be over. We want to see this, you know, the whole point of ERGS and the Jedi program is, you know, accountability, awareness, success. That's what it is. And so we're never going to turn people away. We want to help people, but we can't help who we don't know needs help. Yeah. And so really being forward with that is is key to making sure people can participate. Mm-hmm. There's actually um, a point there where project managers, what we call project managers, have a, a significant role to play one more significant role for the project <laughs> managers. Mm-hmm. But, you know, trying to help somebody navigate that space. I mean, if you look at, you know, sort of what we do externally, we're, you know, supposed to be a solutions oriented or a solutions driven, you know, enterprise where, you know, we take somebody's environmental problems such as they are and say, okay, how are we going to deal with this? And then we work to find a solution. And the truth of the matter is, is, you know, especially on the geo side, Maybe not always true on the EHNS side, but certainly on the geo side, there's no package of of solutions that apply universally to all the different problems that we face. Every every single used trope over and over and over again. Every site's different. Mm-hmm. Well, it's true, and so you have to find a solution on every single project that's maybe rooted in some historical experience, but is tweaked to be specific to the to the problem at hand. I don't know that this issue is any different than that why you know it's sort of um it's an interesting question to sort of to to noodle noodle around a little bit why do we treat internal issue points differently than we treat external issue points if the if the external drive is to find you know the right solution at the right time for the right person and the right set of problems we probably should use that skill set internally too and so when we talk about something like you know, uh, a, a junior staffer who wants to uh, join the work and, you know, is passionate about that but can't see a way through, um, you know, from an hours perspective, there is an important role there for a project manager who has responsibility to those hours, you know, to meet the metrics, to hear that employee and to sit down with them and say, okay, let's figure this out. So you want to participate in this. I want you to participate in this. The company wants you to participate in it. Also, we have to get all these things done. Let's talk about how we can do both, mm-hmm. right? And I don't know that that conversation happens all that often. Right, right, mm. right. I don't think so, yeah. And I think there's, you know, there's, there's, we're encouraging that and it should be happening, you know, yeah. because everyone has an opportunity at HRP. 
So on Hike, you can actually visit the WORG page. If you go hover over corporate and over to the left-hand side, you'll see employee resource groups, or I should say committees, ERGs. You click on that, and then you'll see the WORG as the first link there on that page. And you can um, go ahead and visit that page, read through it. You can see on that page, you'll see all of the members. You'll see the, the officers as well. You'll see how it's structured. It, it's a great page that's managed by the ERG. They're doing a great job. But there is a join button, so you can click on that and you can join. Um, and also keep in mind too, and again, this is it's going to be the same process for any other ERG we have. Um, if you once you join, you put your information in, you will then be invited to the next meeting. Now you can go to the meeting and be like, you know what, this is probably not for me, and then that's fine too. We really want to give people a chance to kind of participate, go to a couple meetings, meet some people, see what we're doing, to you know see if this is a place you know this is a place for me will I have enough you know time to participate um so that's how you'll uh, you'll join so we're really looking forward to building up the the women's erg with more members again you do not have to identify as female to be part of the erg anyone could be part of it uh so we're looking forward to growing that membership Welcome to the Play Hard section of 312. My name is Allison Mendez, and I'm a marketing coordinator here at HRP, and I'm also um, one of our community's champions within our employee resource group, or ERG, for HRP Women. Jane Smith, I'm an engineer here in Farmington office and uh, currently sit as the vice chair of the women's ERG here. Fabulous. Wow. I'm in great company today. I'm loving this. I'm Yvonne Alston. I am the CEO of Indelible Impressions Consulting, and I am the JEDI, Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Consultant for HRP, working with you all for several years now in, in culture work here. So super excited to be here with the two of you and talk Welcome today. Welcome back to the office. Welcome. Yeah. I know. I love these digs. It's so fabulous yeah. in here. All righty. So um, we're here to play a game. How yes, cool is that games. on a Friday? Can't argue. Right? Okay. So this game is all about curiosity. So we're really excited about that. Um, the game is really meant to uh, ask each other some questions, mm -hmm. right? At different levels of difficulty and challenge, which we're all up for, of mm -hmm. course. Um, and really about building transparency and empathy um, that helps lead to greater understanding, deeper depths of compassion, and um, which is far more meaningful, I think, um, when it comes to relationship building, even when it comes to just better understanding ourselves mm -hmm. as we engage with one another and develop relationships with one another. So I'm here for it. Great. Yeah. Sounds yeah. Good. Excited. All right. Awesome. So, Allison, you want to pick the first one and kick us off? Sure. All I'll right. go with, mm. let's do a yellow. Ooh. Oh. Do you want to pass her a yellow? So we're skipping past the easy questions and going straight into <laughs> yes. yellow for Allison. Hey, what did <laughs> we say? Dive. Play Deep hard. Dive. Play yeah. hard. Play hard. Let's go hard. Play hard, work hard. My card says, imagine yourself in the future. What will your greatest life accomplishment be? Ooh, okay. Mm. My greatest life accomplishment. I'm not sure. I mean, I think... I'm only 24, so there's a lot of there's a lot of potential in the future. Mm -hmm. um, I really want to be able to to travel a lot. I want to be able to you know make a lot of strides within my career. I'm very career driven right now. Um, 
Woman on a Mission with Ambition. Ooh, um, like say that, that. All the snaps on that yeah. one. Um, I remember I those think... days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I'm rocking with you. I'm yeah, almost 50 like and I'm like with it. you on that. I like it. Um, I think right now I'm I'm really focusing on potentially getting my master's. Um, I would Good love to be able to to get my master's in the future and make that a goal, a priority to be able to, to further myself and see kind of where my career is going to take me and uh, really be able to, to put my mind to a variety of different challenges. I think that life is full of different opportunities. You just got to be able to, to pick which one you want and go after it. And roll with the punches. Yes, and, you know, roll you with the punches. You never know what's going to divert your path either, mm-hmm. which isn't a bad thing. Right. Sometimes you end up on a path you weren't expecting, but it turns out for the best. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, and as someone who has gone from a traditional career pathway in corporate America for 22 years and then left that to go and launch my own company, I will tell you, if somebody had asked me like even 10 years ago, like, do you think that you would be doing this, what I'm doing now and that I'd be leading my own firm, I would have said, uh, probably not. (laughs) So life can surprise you. And I think you hit a critical note that will be a hallmark of your success. Mm, And that is the fact that you're willing to be nimble, that you're willing to, um, as was mentioned, kind of roll with the punches Mm -hmm. and different, um, challenges that might come up. You'll navigate those and then you'll make new decisions, wiser decisions, perhaps off of those. So good for you. Yeah. Awesome. I really want to be able to just like, like you guys said, rolling with the punches, being flexible and, mm. and again, being open to, to other opportunities. I think change can be really scary, but you know, we got to be able to, to adjust to change and being, being able to pivot, especially in today's very dynamic marketing industry and things like that to be able and to, world just <laughs> yeah, to, to be able to pivot regardless of the, the industry that you're in. For sure. Absolutely. I mean, I think COVID did a great job mm-hmm. of teaching mm-hmm. us the lessons of great expectations and where we can find ourselves in life and that ability to be agile, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, right? And to be very thoughtful about what I can do next and to also unbox that a bit. Yeah. Right. And not put so many constraints and limitations on ourselves. Um, I think becoming unboxed, if you will, um, is one of the things that I have strove to achieve in my lifetime. Right. And I think I'm more me. I'm more authentic and I am more successful as a result of that, of not always staying on the prescribed path. Well, and I think we're seeing too, even like not only on the individual basis, but companies as a whole, hopefully mm. some have learned a lot from the whole COVID thing in that people can be productive working from home and you don't have to have a, a traditional must be in the office wearing a suit and tie and your and your skirts and your heels and whatnot. Yeah. But, you know, you can be flexible and when you give workers that flexibility, they tend to give you back better product. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Um and, you know, honestly, that was one of the things that uh, I liked about coming here. Like, I I worked for a very small company when COVID hit. And there was, like, maybe 10 of us in the company. Mm. And I was doing inspections of construction sites. And we worked in all the New England and tri-state area states. Yeah. At one point, I was the only person working full-time hours because Connecticut and Massachusetts didn't shut down residential construction mm. as uh, they were considered, you know, essential services. Mm-hmm. It was very strange. But... um Interesting. You 
I mean, they unfortunately did end up closing their doors and I ended up here at uh, HRP. But, uh, you know, something I really like about this company is they still give you that kind of flexibility, like to choose whether or not you can work work from your home or, or, and still have an office to go to. Because after spending five years working out of my computer or out of my car and in my house, <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> nice to be able to come to an yeah. office once in a while. But to have the, the person. But the to have person. that, I think companies see that now only the government would see it that way too yeah (laughs) one of the things that i really love about hrp um as an organization that my company you know supports in various ways is the allowance if you will of authenticity to exist right from people's different identities what matters most to them how they show up Mm -hmm. uh, physically how they show up intellectually um, as well as emotionally I, I think that's really great and to your point that's the evolution I think that was very much born out of the pandemic is that people have and in organizations hopefully much like HRP have come to understand the uh, life impacts of yeah. that experience and are willing to be agile and flexible in which to provide an environment where people can have versatility in where they work and how they work, but also in how they're showing up to the workplace, yeah. allowing for individual identity and intersectionality to exist in really beautiful, meaningful ways. Oh, for sure. Being able to figure out that work-life balance and yes. having a yes. company that supports that is amazing. Yes. You, know, you mentioned travel. That's how I ended up in this country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm I'm from Canada originally. Oh, so I've, okay. I've been in Canada. I didn't know that. Yeah, so, you know, Welcome. Born and raised in Saskatchewan. <laughs> but yeah, no, I ended up, I had a five-year plan when no. I got my first job in Connecticut. Five-year plan to go back to Canada. Mm. Well, that was 20. Pushing 23 years ago. Wow, <laughs> so okay. Instead, I got married, had kids, and have made a, built a career here. <laughs> so, okay. Connecticut did something you know, right. You say, <laughs> life throws things at you, and all of yeah. a sudden you're not where you expected to be. Yeah. But uh, Flexibility. Yeah. yeah. But having a, finding a company that allows the to be able to travel and take that time, you know, yeah. to work in that ba- ba- work-life balance is so important. Yeah. yeah. And I really learned that in the pandemic, too, because when that old company – that small company did close down and I finally stopped, mm. was forced into stop working, mm. realized how much time I was spending. And I was like, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, so coming into here was being able to work with the managers and say, this is where my, li- mm-hmm. not only say that my limits are, because I don't want to say that, you know, I definitely put in, put in the time that's yeah. necessary to get work done here. But uh, I've recognized in myself being able just, to mm-hmm. yeah. separate, try to separate more that work and life balance. Cause yes. I also had kids slightly older than average. And, um, so they're just in grade nine and grade seven this year. So it's a lot of driving them all over the place. And oh, I remember <laughs> balancing the that with, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Balancing that with the work requirements. Yeah. And, yeah. But, uh, again, it goes back to the flexibility of being able to react from home and, and work mm-hmm. on the work on the fly that, uh, I can yeah. send emails from my phone while I'm watching my kids' football game. <laughs> Answer those questions that I know I can do off the top of my head. You know, like, I don't have to miss it. So that's very good. It's balance. Good. All that off of that, that one balance. question. That. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this. All the things. Yeah, we don't talk at all. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. You want to pick next? Uh, all Jane, right. Which color do you want to pick? Go for it, Jane. I'm going to pick mm. a green one. Okay. Let's say, okay. Do you think about your environmental footprint? Why or why not? 
that one's not at all related to our industry. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a plant. I think Tom planted that card right that on top on like the a green. Plant to me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think being in the environment, environmental industry, yeah, I do think about our, our footprint. Mm. Um, like whether it's all the recycling that we have to do at home mm. or um, I don't really think about it in terms of having to like, you know, balance out the carbon from taking a plane home to visit my family or, <laughs> you know, but uh, it's probably something that's always conscious about what we're doing work-wise. I don't really have a good answer to that one. I'm sorry. That's yes? okay. <laughs> yeah. There's the question. There's the answer. Yes. Yes, I do think about it. Why? Because it's important. It's the world we live in. Yeah. You know, whether it's climate change or, or, uh, uh, in industry pollution or, or whatever whatever it is, it's mm. part of our world. If we don't pay attention, it's going to be to our detriment. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, if there's little things we can do at home, try to. <laughs> little things add up to a big things. Yeah. I think for me, um, because I, I'm not a technical staff, I didn't know too much about the environmental industry before mm. coming here. I think it was really interesting once I started learning more about our services and things like that, how we have to keep improving the environment and how much um, how much damage that, that people can do to the environment and just like how important that they are. Um, I think that we've begun a good conversation around the importance of being environmentally conscious. Um, I think that we still do have ways that we can go just as, as a society in whole. Um, but I do think that, that HRP specifically does think about our, our carbon footprint and things like that. Like we try to reduce our waste in terms of, of our paper usage and mm. things like that. And I think more and more people do become conscious of like, wow, we use, we use a lot of papers here. Maybe we should figure <laughs> out a way to, to try to cut that down. You know, people are, are trying more ways to, you know, maybe we could bike to work rather than, um, you know, taking my car because I live close enough or things like that. Ride sharing and things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, composting. I know that a lot of people do composting. It's good for the soil. It puts the nutrients yeah. back in. And a lot of people have, since the pandemic, started gardening because they. a lot of people were finding that gardening was a good hobby. It's also really good in terms of your mental health uh, because plant therapy is really becoming popular because it gives you something to be able to, to look after mm. and it's good for the environment and it gives you something that you can, you know, turn into food and and you you have this sense of pride that I yeah. grew something. Yeah, an accomplishment. Yeah, yes. I was just thinking outside that. Like getting Outside getting that natural vitamin D. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes which is good for, for serotonin and things yes. like that. Absolutely. Especially as we're in suicide prevention month. So yes. that yes. vitamin D really increases. It's a big thing. When, absolutely, <laughs> you know, absolutely. Especially for people who suffer from like seasonal depression and that kind of mm. thing. You need your vitamin D. It's so much nice to sit outside in the sun. Yeah. I'm loving this time of year because it's yeah, finally not particularly hot and humid. Yeah, yeah. So I can actually sit outside and enjoy it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, I would say for me, I'm, I've been a conscious as a just a human on this planet knowing that we get like one planet and that's mm-hmm. it just like you get one life um so i am aware of things like carbon footprint and uh you know making sure i'm doing my part with recycling and mm-hmm. so forth and and even on the business side of things like i just bought and i was talking to um 
uh, Dan and and Joe about this. I bought a rocket book. And so it's this really cool. Yeah. Notebook (laughs) that basically like I was one of those people where always taking copious notes in meetings and so forth. Mm -hmm. And so always um, having like five notebooks around never being able to find a doggone thing um, and got the rocket book. (laughs) And so it's great because it's erasable and you can upload through a QR code, uh, your notes up to the cloud or mm. on a share drive or SharePoint or something. And so that was part of a, a very cognizant choice from organizational standpoint, mm-hmm. but also just from an environmental standpoint too. And and I think there are ways that we can make good choices. And I think it's really about just being intentional and thoughtful about it. Um, but if we all do our part, we will be able to certainly address, or at least at this point, slow down, mm-hmm. hopefully, the progression of yeah. some of the the harm that we've done to our planet and and um, any, any future impacts. Mm. So... I think we all have a responsibility towards that. And if you don't can't compost or do other things, there's always offshoots. There's always things that we can do. Yeah. And it's about having that intentionality and that personal responsibility to do our part. So, yeah, whether you don't, you want to get into an argument with the, you know, the climate change deniers or not, there's no reason, even if you take that argument and say the earth is just in a warming trend and blah, blah, blah. Right. But there's no reason that we as humans on this planet cannot Correct. reduce what we're doing. Anyway. We don't need to make it worse. Right, exactly. <laughs> if nothing else, if right? Nothing else, if nothing why else. would we contribute it to make it worse when we right. can, you know... Make it better. Make it better. Exactly. For, you know, especially when you're a parent, you start thinking about what, what are you leaving your kids? Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. What kind of world, whether it's, you know, the social aspects or just yeah. the physical what resources that we have on this earth, you know? Yeah. There was a great show um, my husband and I were watching. I think it was through Apple TV or something called Extrapolations. Mm -hmm. And it was a fantastic series because it actually talked about how we are extrapolating from the earth in so many different ways and what the challenges will be in the future. Um, And I think based on some commentary about the show is that it was very much accurate in terms of what's happening and what we will be facing down the road. So Highly recommend it for anybody oh, who's check that one out. Yeah, yeah, interested in learning a little bit more about the environmental impacts and so forth. So, yeah. all right, we're all ready right. for another question. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna go for it. Going for the pink. Listen, <laughs> I didn't get this far in life by not by not going hard. It's it an is. All in. Yes. All in. Oh, this is so apropos. Are you ready? Yep. All right, square Bring shoulders, straight backs. Get ready. Take it in. What does perfect mean to you? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So, um, oh, it's such a a, tough one. Yeah, it's a good one, though. I love it. Um, So what does perfect mean to me? Um, I am going to actually... (sighs) Perfect to me means choosing imperfection because I am not a person who really believes that perfection is should be important or, or it should be stri- <laughs> something we strive towards or that is ever truly attainable. So for me, perfection lives very much in 
my ability to live imperfectly and to accept imperfection, whether that is how I look, how I feel, how I show up in the world. Um, The work that I do is really rooted in understanding who we are, who we're Mm -hmm. not, understanding our fellow humans and the intersectionality of what makes them them. And that flies in the face of this, this concept of perfection and rules and boxes and parameters in which we live and exist. And so for me, um, that's, that's perfect. Right. Is that how I exist and who I am and how I show up, I guess you could say, is as perfect as perfect is going to come. And I am so okay with that. So whether it is shaving the side of my head (laughs) or it is um, saying that uh, I no longer leave parts of myself outside of environments, um, to make others more comfortable with my presence, right? That's what I refer to as unapologetic authenticity. Mm -hmm. Um, That to me is perfection for me. Am I being authentic to myself and what I believe? I think that's a perfect way to look at it. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. So if that's perfection, then I guess I'm achieving that. What about for the two of you? What is perfection for you? I think there's a dichotomy in my head because I am an engineer. So there's that Ah. side of my brain that goes, must be right. (laughs) Straight lines. Yes. No no errors. uh, Yes. Although at the same time, I mean, everything in engineering is within a margin of error. So you're like, eh. Close enough. That's right. the phrase we used to say. I used to say in one of my other jobs, we were like, eh, close enough for government work. Because <laughs> yeah. it always seems to be that there's a wide range of where you need to fit your stuff in. But yeah. I mean, but even like, but that's the nature of design too. Like if you're in a safety engineer designing, you know, a car on the road, there's still, there's always going to be a factor of safety yeah. that's applied at various levels, depending on what you're doing and how intrinsic it is to the human health mm. and the, what you're doing your work for I mean in Canada that's one thing that we do as as professional engineers or actually not even at that stage when you graduate we do this whole iron ring ceremony and they have a huge poem and the whole big thing is an oath about and it's just completely talking about how um I wish I could remember the line exactly it's terrible I don't know it anymore sorry to all my professors (laughs) (laughs) because one of the main the main focus of it is basically I know if I know have learned anything, I know that I know nothing. Mm. Something along that lines. It's written better. I, my, I love that, though. <laughs> but that's the whole idea. Yeah. Like when we graduate, ever part growing, of that ever ceremony learning. is that yeah. exactly is that as engineers, you're going out into the world. Your job is to, to regardless of the discipline you're in, ultimately is to protect human health mm. and whatnot. And so that phrase has, even though I can't remember it exactly, has stuck in my head, and I kind of try to remember that all the time. Is that you don't always have to have the right answer. Right. And so, like I said, that there's that side of me that goes, but there is a right answer. <laughs> like, but I like the way you talked about it on the personal level because mm. that 
does become an, it can, and I have in the past been very hung up on perfectionism because mm. it's just sort of ingrained in me yeah. to trying to make sure everything's perfect all the time. But certainly having kids and, and moving countries and, mm-hmm. and all these things have made me and companies closing and, and having to pivot as we've had talked about yes. before yeah. has made me you know really try to dig into that more to say you don't have to be perfect. Yeah. Do what you can with what you've got. And as long as and I've always said too, I you know, counseled friends or or coworkers that are, you know, stuck in their job or whatever. I was like, mm. if you're not learning anything, it's time to move on. Yeah. You yeah. know, it could still be a very good company, but if you are not learning anything and if you're not growing or not growing, it's time to move on, find a place that you can. And that may not be in the same industry. You never know. But uh, hopefully it is. Yeah, I think as women, too, I think we've been socialized, right, that there are beauty standards and there are standards for careers and things like that, right, that we need to ascribe to, that we need to epitomize. And I think um, the The anti-perfectionist, yeah, (laughs) right. And, And I think there's something incredibly empowering. And I would love to hear from you on that as a young woman, I'm 49 and a half. So (laughs) as a younger woman, like, where do you find that line of what society deems we should look like be and attain versus what is the young modern woman thinking now as it relates to that? I think that I personally, I do struggle a lot with um, with perfectionism, especially in work, just because I, I want to be right. I want to be reliable. I want to be somebody that people can count on. Mm-hmm. And yep. I think sometimes I have to unlearn that being right doesn't mean being perfect mm. and that that's not always the goal. Yeah. And I think that that's that's a process that I'm I'm still constantly have to go through. Yeah. Um. But I think it's like you both have been saying, it's about knowing that it is okay to not be perfect and mm-hmm. that perfection is not achievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in terms of of the modern woman and her image on society, I think that we have seen a lot in terms of media and and you know, we've been doing a lot in terms of pushing for different women, not just the same mm. sorts mm. of women that we saw in, in the 90s who yeah. were stick thin, all bleach blonde hair. Right. Um, who weren't representative of a large majority of women in America who felt very... Othered. Yes. Oh, you guys are all up in my language today. I'm <laughs> loving this. Like, this is all Jedi. Like, say more. Yes. It, it, and and I think that, like, we have to be open to two differences and being okay with the fact that just because somebody does something a different way than you, then that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that it's necessarily imperfect. Or right. That or, wrong. Wrong. or wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And even as we're, we're, you know, I think uh, splashing around in the Jedi pool a little bit in this conversation is even thinking about how the definitions of women have evolved, Mm -hmm. right? Versus female, which is anatomically correct, but women now that we have trans women, right? Mm -hmm. And so just widening, I think, the, the parameters around what does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to be attractive? What does it mean to be a standard of beauty in and of yourself when you're not necessarily ascribing to all of the former norms, whether that is 
racially and ethnically, whether that is style, whether that is age, age right? Yeah. And and all of that, like, you know, no shade against the women who go and do the Botox and the this and the that, but it's like, I feel I was meant to to age gracefully and I was meant to yeah. age and wrinkle accordingly. And if I do, then I do. Um, but to try to fight back against that in some way of what is very natural, what is very human, seems um, very almost anti-human to me in certain ways. So I love the fact that now in this era of where diversity, equity and inclusion and justice and, and accessibility and all of those things, I think what it means to the world is that there's no longer this standard of perfection, but it is vast and multifaceted. And I think that that's just really I cool. I think that it's redefining some of the expectations hopefully it's mm. redefining expectations of what even like what it means to be a woman in the workplace yeah you know, we can come to work and dress the way as comfortable for us and yeah. not have to be trying to do the female version of the men's suit like yes. I mean, again we're lucky we're in a company here at hrp where that isn't the norm where they don't require us to be all dressed up all the time like yeah. in days in uh, you, you know bygone eras can I say <laughs> although I know there's still companies that do but yeah, uh, you know more yeah. power to them but I'm glad I don't have to wear a suit every day <laughs> I'm right. sure a lot of the men are too yeah. you know, but um you know but that that narrow window of what it means to be the working woman mm. and it's you know more than just you know teachers and secretaries yeah. and, you know that of what it was like you know two yeah. gen generation two generations ago the stereotype the stereotype those what the options were for women who wanted need, right. wanted needed to work right you know it's not just a want i mean right. i have you know all the more power to the if people if, if a woman wants to get botox and that gives her confidence as long as she's doing it for her right you know and right. not trying to fit into a mold i think Correct. it's great do what you got to do because we're all different and right. we all Bring the, but I mean, the second you're doing it because somebody is telling you you have to to be to succeed, it's mm. frustrating. Yeah, because then you're setting a standard, and you know, as as you talk about within the with the Jedi stuff and inclusion and and um, uh, you know, it's it, it's a lot of gray lines mm. of what that means. You know, yeah, I, I always women, say that it, I play in the gray. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I literally yeah. play in the gray every single day. You know, I mean, we talk. You talk about, uh, you know, we want to try to have a place for, like, we're sending women out into the field, and maybe might be the only woman on a job site, and Absolutely. so then you have to deal with sexism and whatnot. But there's also this other side of that, which doesn't get talked about as much. But if you're the, you know, the small, cute girl going out there, they're going to get a different reaction from those construction workers to somebody who's older maybe heavier, you know, or doesn't have that so-called standard of beauty because mm -hmm. it still exists yeah. <laughs> as much yeah. as it's widening. It's still there, but you get those different reactions Absolutely. out in the world. And it's, yeah. um, it's, I was going to say interesting to watch, but that's not really the way I want to put it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. I think it's I think something to, see to make sure that we, it, how it manifests too. So yeah. And addressing you know. that there's a concept called lookism yes. actually. Yeah. And that's the basis generally what you're saying, right. Is and I think that that's, it's really unfortunate, right? Or the opposite of where if a woman is deemed by social standards as being very attractive, then the assumption is that she must not, not be as, as intelligent, mm -hmm. right? Or Can't as articulate, right? <laughs> like, you know, and it, that's ridiculous too. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think what I've gleaned from this conversation is that um, 
perfection is the antithesis to authenticity. And so if we're leading our lives, if we're leading ourselves as we're leading environments with authenticity, then perfection doesn't have a place in the conversation. We try to do things that are right and just, right? Thinking about it in the Jedi context, but perfection doesn't really have its place. So- Well, I read the question on the card. I think what we've proven through this conversation (laughs) is that perfection does not need to exist in in the form of much if it ever is attainable. So maybe we just need to remove perfection from the lexicon. How about that? What what would I consider a perfect day? You know, a perfect day, not too hot, not too cold. Sitting there with my kids, enjoying them, watching them have fun and laughing. Yeah, you know, or with my family, or and then. You know, on a personal level, on a work level, we sort of very similar things, being able to have camaraderie with the people I work with, mm-hmm. doing a job well done, you know, getting things done on time, yes. <laughs> you know, and all those yeah. things. But it's not those aren't huge, big. It's got to be this way. It's that can come in so many different forms mm-hmm. and still be considered in my head anyways, a perfect day. Right, right. And you that's know? perfect for you. Whereas, yeah, what would be a perfect day for you? Perfect day for me. And travel. Sure. <laughs> Throw some travel there because I'm with you on that yeah, one. <laughs> it, it, it probably would be um girls trip. It would probably include just rest, relaxa- relaxation, <laughs> and just like not having so many thoughts going around yeah. and, yeah, and, I think and thinking too much. A perfect day changes depending on what's yeah. going on around you at a given time or where you are. That's right. Let me tell you, there's definitely been a perfect day when I've had a nap all day. Yeah. <laughs> or like if you eat just like a good meal, that mm-hmm. can always Sharing brighten up my day. Friends, yeah. 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 If you you see a friend that you haven't seen in a long time, like that can make make a yeah. very perfect day. A good day with uh, the family. Like I love whenever I get to go with my niece to the zoo. Mm-hmm. It's always really fun because she love she likes the petting zoos and she likes mm. to, to to pet the animals and so I'll. I'll She'll take my my hand and like drag me over to the parrots <laughs> or things awesome. like that. Yeah, so perfect. I think what we've we've whittled it down to is that perfection is nebulous. Um, well, it's nebulous, but it's subjective. Yeah, right. And part of it is experiential. Yeah, very right? much so. So I love that. All right. right. Very good. So the only card that we didn't pick, it looks like is blue. blue. Um, I've got seven minutes. So let's go for it. Blue. We'll use blue. Yeah, let's go for it. Favorite color. Oh, well, this is a good one to end on. Perfect. Foods remind you of home. Oh, Oh. (laughs) (laughs) it's almost a concert (laughs) on cue. It's like, like, (gasps) speaking of perfect days. Okay, right. Okay, so let's at least name like one food and why. And maybe that's like a perfect note to end on. Food and why? Yeah. Well, if I'm going to pick one food, what reminds me of home, I have to pick butter tarts because in Canada it's something that is because Canada being you know British colony yeah, yeah. lots of influence from the European, United States and, yeah. and whatnot and the French in mm-hmm. Quebec it, so there's like a vast there's nothing that's I don't want to say there's nothing that's truly Canadian but there's not a lot of foods that are really Canadian foods okay but the butter tart I've learned is so and I didn't learn that till I moved here is something that doesn't really exist elsewhere it's similar Ooh. to uh, pecan pie 
Okay. It doesn't have pecans, although some people do put nuts in their butter tarts. Okay. And I think I've I think in in Britain they call it like a, a triacle or something like I can't pronounce okay. that right, but it's basically, well, it's just brown sugar and butter and and vanilla, and made into little <laughs> tarts. I made I brought them for I brought them for I, the I cookie will, thing last year. Last year when they did when they did the Christmas my lip on that butter is my friend. So. <laughs> Last year when they did like the the cookie contest yes. or whatever, I made butter tarts and brought them in. Oh. And so you might have had them then. Have but, you shared and I, the, the way recipe? My, uh, I don't know if it's underground. I should though. But, um, but yeah, I heard. I, I would, um, I for heard, the record, uh, I would love that on, on <laughs> CBC Radio, a Canadian Broadcasting Company. Yeah, uh, radio. It's like NPR, but in Canada. Yeah, yeah. Um, they did a thing on butter tarts once, and they were talking about how it's like this quintessential Canadian thing, but yeah. every region of Canada makes them slightly different, oh. and it becomes like this big argument as to what makes the best butter tart. Oh now, I God. like my mom's recipe, which is, again, reminds me of home, Okay, <laughs> and she puts uh, rum in hers and raisins, Ooh. so it's basically... Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I refer to it so, like here when people don't know what I'm talking about when I say butter tart. Yeah. It's not just a slab of butter and a tart. Yeah. You know, it's uh, I, I will Ooh. change the name of it and call it like a rum and raisin tart. But because we put rum in ours. OK. Yeah. And that can be the flavoring, artificial flavoring or real rum, depending on what okay. you want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've okay. done both. They I will be getting good. the recipe at the end I'm of this talk. Sure. So for I can, sure. I can cite it off my head. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. You're up. Mm, I don't know. What There's food feels like home? Food that feels like home? Sure, because there's so many different recipes that will, will remind me of home. Like there's my my grandmother's chocolate tort cake mm. that she always makes during Christmas. That no matter what we do, people just can't get the recipe quite right. Mm. <laughs> what is it about grandma's cooking that you can never just do something right. about? It's it. the love. It's yeah. it's grandma's hands. Yeah, and it's the love. Yeah, it's just it, it hits different. She because whenever I ask her for the recipe, she's she she doesn't have. I don't remember if she has the recipe like written down, like in yeah, in yeah. terms of like measurements and things like that. And so oh, yeah. be like, do oh, grandmas no. measure? I know, no, no. I don't no. think grandmas she's measure help from help, yeah. help from the ancestors. Yes, um, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I help love it. Ancestors. And uh, I love those. I also love you know cinnamon buns. Always mm. remind me of Christmas too. With um, me and my sister, we would always have cinnamon buns waiting for us when we'd we'd wake up at Christmas, run downstairs and we'd be ripping Aww. open presents and things like that. And there would always be be cinnamon buns waiting. Mm, and nice. I remember one year when See, my for us, mom butter tarts. Yeah, <laughs> butter tarts. Yeah. Those it's they, a Christmas really thing. good. It's a Christmas thing. Like yeah. there's always these little little things. Yeah. Where like then there's rice and beans, which was always a staple in my household. My dad would always make rice and beans and he'd add his Saison to the to the packet okay. and things like that, and a so little that Latin, was always Hispanic yeah yeah he's nice. he's Puerto Rican so it's, okay it was always a staple in the household he'd nice. always make it and it was always mm. perfect yes very nice oh for me ah food that feels like home uh so being a black woman there are some cultural traditional foods like mm. cornbread and collard greens and um. Oh, fried fish. Yeah. Especially mm. like whitings with the cornmeal is like a real happy place with a side of hot sauce. It's um, a good thing we're ending at lunch. I was just going to say, <laughs> this, this latter conversation has made me quite hungry. Um, so those things feel like home. And then um, 
I would say now in my older age, something that I really enjoy is my husband and I, every night, we're such a, you know, kind of an older traditional couple, I guess, in certain (laughs) respects that we do like tea and like a cookie or dessert at night. And like we have a whole tea cabinet. And so like tea and a little sweet something at the end of the night very much feels like home to me. Mm -hmm. Like even when I'm away and I'm traveling for work or if I'm speaking somewhere or whatever, like I still try to end my night with a small cup of tea and a little treat. (laughs) Yeah. A little treat. So that's what feels like home when I'm not at home. So, Mm. um, yeah. That's interesting. Like, it almost makes me a little nostalgic right Yes, now. right? Yeah. Those things always make me very nostalgic. Sentimental. Like, talking about what feels like home, things like that. Like, it, it just starts the whole montage of memories. And Yeah, yeah. it really does. Especially yeah. Sur- surrounded by, or not surrounded by, but uh, surrounding the topic of food. Because mm-hmm. yeah. it always, I mean, that's what brings families together. A lot of times, at a table. Yeah. Like Some yeah. of my favorite memories of family is going out to my grandmother's farm and she didn't have a big house, but we would all go up and we'd stay overnight because you had to drive an hour to get there, which is not that far, but Saskatchewan, it feels like a long time. You're driving through an hour of nothing. But yeah. <laughs> and she'd set up this big table in the living room so that like mm. the table, like I'm on a couch, the table would be like right there, <laughs> <laughs> like the chairs to the table. Like, so yeah. you know, everybody was sitting around it. And then you, as people were leaving the table, some would stay talking and the other people would be like squishing off on to sit on the chairs where they could still be in the conversation. <laughs> but just that everybody being in the one yeah room. the gathering you just sleep where you can there'd be people sleeping on the couches and in the bedrooms and on the big recliner the kid yeah. we as kids loved my grandpa's big recliner that you could because we were lit small enough you could just like cozy up into yeah. it it was a perfect place to sleep yeah my brother slept in the attic <laughs> oh, wow <laughs> she had a walk-in attic like you up on the oh, second okay. floor she could walk mm. in and it had where they stored a lot of the games of my like my mom's and her sisters games when they were kids and whatnot so we could go in there and play yeah. with that stuff but there was enough space he'd put a mattress down and he got to have his own little room because nice. <laughs> nice. he was the oldest grandchild so yeah. Yeah. he, yeah. Got, he, got, the he got the attic yeah <laughs> well this is such a great conversation yeah. um i would love to be invited back tom can i get back on the roster like some yes. other time in the future yeah Anytime. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Stop by. This yeah. Been yeah. Thoroughly enjoying. And it's great yeah, because it's we fun. got the opportunity to know a little bit more about each other. And yeah. this is the beauty of conversation. This is the beauty of Jedi and mm-hmm. bringing all of our authenticity and our own experiences to the table. Yeah. Um, so it's been really beautiful to share this time with Absolutely. you both and get to know yeah. you better. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, it was great to meet well. you. And it was great to, to have this discussion. It was yeah. a lot of fun. All right. Well, thank you, Tom, for inviting yes. us and yeah. hosting this. You're all very welcome. Awesome. You didn't even have to prompt us at all. Yeah, <laughs> right. Put me on camera. <laughs> <laughs> Allison, exactly. do you want to take us out with the outro? Yeah. Uh, sure. This has been the 312 Play Hard section. Um, like and subscribe this video. And as always, we will see you next time. Perfect. Thank you, everybody. Awesome. Ooh, this was so good. Oh, I like this. Yeah, this was good.